Fantasy Football Podcast with Brian Lemba and Andrew Cooper. What is going on, everybody? Jonathan here with Andrew Cooper. Welcome into the Quick Out Fantasy Football Show here on the Better Sports Network and Fantasy Alarm social channels. Jonathan here again with Coop. Coop, got a big day on hands, huh, man? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. For those that didn't check the schedule, we have a very special guest today. Me, being a huge tight end fan, uh, we connected with a former John Mackey tight end award winner in college, a player that was drafted in the NFL, now works for Big Ten Network, Jake Butt. He's coming on second segment. Uh, John, why don't you give everybody a little rundown of what we got going on today? Yeah, man, we're going to break down some ADPs for rookies, maybe a little buy or sell at each position. Like I said, we'll have uh, Jake Butt on the show talking about some fantasy football rookie tight ends uh, who better qualified than someone that was once a rookie tight end in the NFL uh, and you and I are going to go back. We got, of course, our awesome fantasy football debate series out there, which we've discussed a couple of these rookies. So we're going to Coop and I go back and forth on that, hit up these positions, get you guys ready because uh, it's fantasy football redraft season, man, right? It's time to go get your fantasy football leagues in order. If you don't already have your fantasy football draft guide, what are you waiting for here? The living draft guide is live on fantasy alarm. You see the QR code right there. You can go to fantasyslam.com slash draft guide and get it if you don't already have it. If you want it free, you simply have to sign up over at Fantasyslam. Become an all-pro member. Get it free. Comes with a seven-day free trial. Gets all the latest articles, rankings, and news updates as it happens. So uh, go dominate your drafts. The cheat sheet's live as well. Howard Bender pushing those updates as news happens. Get your auction values, your draft grid, all of your player rankings uh, for your league styles, dynasty rankings, rookie rankings seasonal positional you name it it's all in there so uh no better time than now Coop. because again fantasy football season we are uh only a handful of sundays away from kickoff man seriously man and i see people trickling into the chat james grande jb barry lifetime member he's obviously got the draft guide get your questions in the chat for uh jake butt or at other positions we're gonna hit on quarterback running back and wide receiver leave the tight end up to the expert tight end coming in but honestly this uh it's the perfect time to do this because we're, you know, we're just starting August. We're not quite into your real hometown big league drafts, John. As you always point out, everyone should be pushing those off. I mean, Zeke Elliott, Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt, those guys aren't signed yet. So you want to push these drafts off, but we're far enough away from Dynasty where we need to really hit on the overlap here. People are still so hyped on these guys from Dynasty, yeah. expectations maybe get a, a little out of control. So we're talking today, rookies for redraft. Who do we like? When is it appropriate to take these guys? And what can should your realistic expectations be? Because during dynasty season, the expectations are obviously insane. Everybody's Alvin right. Kamara. Everybody's Justin Jefferson. Now we need to peel it back and say, hey, you know what? Even if these guys could become Justin Jefferson, right? Not everybody's Justin Jefferson their rookie year, right? Yeah. Some of these guys takes a little time. So uh, let's look at it and, and let's see who can do it this year and who maybe we want to stash in a keeper or a dino league, but maybe not draft and redraft. Sure. Uh, let's start off. We'll go quarterbacks here, of course. You know, me, myself, writing up a lot of the quarterback content here over at Fantasy Alarm for the draft guide, for seasonal, for DFS. Uh, Anthony Richardson is your top quarterback coming off the board right now. He's QB 16 for the rookie class, ADP 113-24. Uh, of course, there was the fantasy football player debate article that went out there debating whether or not there was value in Anthony Richardson as a QB 1 uh, this season. Of course, you have Bryce Young. Going off at QB 25, CJ Stroud, QB 28. Uh, then a bunch of guys that could be backing up or maybe have opportunities to start 
at some point this season, Will Levis, Clayton Tude, Stetson Benton, uh, maybe not Hendon Hooker after the recent uh, signing there by the Lions. Dwayne Thompson-Robinson also likely needs a, an injury there to, uh, to Deshaun Watson. But uh, quarterbacks are here. Anthony Richardson, I think the biggest and most controversial real hot topic among rookie quarterbacks. Coop, where do you stand in the aisle of A-Rich this year? To be honest, at first I was kind of questioning it, man, but you are the QB whisperer around here. Uh, I follow you. You've steered me away from certain nightmare situations, uh, namely Baker Mayfield being one. <laughs> and you've brought us to the promised land. I mean, we were drafting Jalen Hurts in every league, and I was confident in doing so because you were confident in doing so. Yeah. So this year on Anthony Richardson, I honestly might as well just pass it to you because most of the points that I have on this guy come from you and a lot of it obviously tied to – Something that you've pointed out in the past is that people always talk about the mobile upside, but not enough attention being paid, paid to the floor of mobility yeah. of these guys. Yeah, listen, I, and you know, there's obviously some great research that's been done out there, but just from like my own personal experience, research, writing up these players, doing these articles here. Um, yes, it, it doesn't take much for a quarterback that has a rushing potential here to be a guy that can put up top 10 fantasy football weeks. We saw Marcus Mariota do that four or five times last year, be a top 10 fantasy quarterback in in, uh, in leagues just because of his ability to run the football. Uh, so when you're looking at Anthony Richardson, he's being drafted outside the top 12, outside the top 14. So if you're in a standard league, you know, he's not even really be going as a QB1, but you can pair him up uh, with a guy that I've done a lot with this year, like Kirk Cousins, and now you're mixing and matching. So you have a guy with some stability in Kirk Cousins with that potential breakout player uh, in Anthony Richardson, because if he starts every game, uh, there's it's almost a, a certainty that he'll be putting forth a QB one season. Now, you know, I was tagged on Twitter following sort of our debate here that uh, Ian Hartz, I know a guy that you've been uh, a fan of, talked to him before, had him on your show uh, shows previously. Uh, he tweeted out a graph that pretty much every quarterback that had 100 plus carries since 2000, only five of them didn't finish within the top 12 of fantasy football. Uh, finishing there. So uh, I'm a big fan of Richardson, not just because of the rushing potential. I also do kind of like their offense a little bit here. I do like Michael Pittman as a wide receiver. We've seen Alec Pierce and Josh Downs making plays during the during training camp. We'll see what their running back position ends up looking like, whether it be a Jonathan Taylor or now maybe even Kareem Hunt finding his way uh, over there. But just the pure rushing upside gives him a fantasy floor. In the article that I wrote up this year, the example I used for sort of like what just a baseline number had to be last year to be a top 10 fantasy quarterback was Daniel Jones. Right. 200 yards passing, only 15, 15. touchdowns, but he ran for 700 yards and seven touchdowns. It, it's a very low floor to pass the football when you have elite rushing upside. Uh, the, the top end, obviously, was Justin Fields, who threw for less than 3,000 yards last year, but ran for 1,200 or whatever it was, right? And he was a top five quarterback. So uh, is he going to get that level? Probably not. But if he runs enough, he certainly can be. So that's why I'm willing to draft uh, Anthony Richardson here uh, in most formats this year. Yeah, And in sing especially in single QB, it's such a great year for it. Because what I find that works really well for me in my regular redraft leagues is I reach for Richardson, especially if I'm drafting early, I reach for Richardson. And then there are just so many good, solid guys right. going in the, R the QB2 range, right? Like it's so easy to just circle back and grab Aaron Rodgers or Kirk Cousins or Jared, Jared Goff. Or Derek Carr or Russell Wilson, like it's yeah. so easy to just to even if he doesn't start, then you just start Russell Wilson or somebody. So right. yeah, I don't mind that strategy there. Uh, after that, you're really kind of looking at two QB leagues for these other rookies. Uh, let's say you're in a super flex league, John. You spent up on Jalen Hurts. You got your boy, and then now 
you are circling back and it's gotten pretty bleak and sitting at the top of your queue is Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. If you're going to take one of those guys, which one do you take in that, in that particular setup? Uh, I mean, for me, it's probably Bryce Young, but again, I don't love, for me, it's more so like the offense is that they're set around here. You know, these are two bad football teams here. Uh, At least Carolina brought in some veteran talent to kind of help bolster you know, the wide receiver group uh, for them there. I do like that they brought in Miles Sanders uh, as well to kind of take some pressure off. Um, you know, so Young is probably the guy I end up going with just because I think – I don't think you – know, Houston might be picking first overall again this year. Like, I mean, I don't I don't think right. they're going to be a very good football team. Yeah, it's – it's uh, they're, they're with the Cardinals and a couple of these other teams where it's pretty clear when you look at Vegas numbers, odds that – they don't think this team's going to be yeah, good. Yeah. And Toronto Dave says the yin and yang of QBs. Well, if you're into that kind of thing, I do. Uh, those familiar with my yin and yang tight end system is a pairing system. On Fantasy Alarm, in the draft guide, I did what's called dynamic tier rankings, which is basically just yin and yang for every position. We go through and we look at pairing risk and reward, and we do it with running back. You know, if you go zero RB, what guys to target that are kind of safe that you can start week one yeah. versus guys that you might not be able to start, but have crazy upside. We do that at every position now. So make sure you jump in there and, and check that out. Yeah. Vegas is a little bit bullish on Carolina. Like there, you know, we, we did the divisional breakdowns and you know, that, that uh, NFC South is, is pretty wide open for like who, who could take that division. So if Vegas is right and Carolina is competitive, you got to think uh, that the quarterback play there is going to be a reason for that. So I'd be more likely to take my shots there uh, than in Houston. Yeah, they, I'm 100% taking Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud just because they went out and loaded up on weapon, weapons. How often yeah. do you see a team actually do that, John? Just completely replace every weapon on the team. If you they think should. That, that's how you win football games, right? right? Give your I, give talent to your players and hope they hope they can see, succeed. Now, you know, the, those players are D.J. Chark and Adam Thielen. You know, they can certainly be on their you – know, D.J. Chark's on what is like third one-year deal and, and Adam Thielen's on his way out. But for one year, why not, right? You know, they, they yeah. can certainly – yeah, they, we have Jonathan Mingo. You never, you never see them replace everybody like that, right? Like mm-hmm. all three wide receivers, brand new tight end in Hayden Hurst, brand new running back in Miles Sanders. Like they are just saying, here you go, man. Here are the keys to the car. So yeah. I, I definitely like that a little more. Let's uh, Before we pivot over wide receivers, anybody else in any format that you're even stashing with this year in mind? So like obviously, you know, there's like Will Levis and Hendon Hooker and guys like that. Is there anybody that you think could potentially start games this year, even if, you know, it's not the best situation? I mean, Seth and Bennett probably could, right? I mean, we don't know what Matt Stafford's going to look like. We we think he's falling apart, uh, and we will see how healthy that arm looks or that back holds up. You know, like he, the way that quarterback situation ended for the Rams last year, uh, I'm not very high on, on the Rams this season for that reason. Like, I just don't know what Stafford has left. He kind of – gave it all for that Super Bowl here. And, you know, he could be a guy that uh, finds his way into starting some games this year. But I don't think any of these remaining guys become fantasy relevant. I know Will Levis obviously has the cannon of the arm. They brought in DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, you that, know. Fifth, that fifth guy on the list there, Clayton Toon. What if he starts for Arizona? Well, what I mean, what are your, well, I mean, what are your thoughts with the reports for Kyler? Like they think Kyler – Kyler's pushing to be ready early. Like, you know, is he going to be worthy of a stash if Kyler's ready to go this year? And Colt McCoy's no, there? Like, of course not. You drop him immediately if he doesn't yeah. start. If, if Colt McCoy starts over in week one, you drop him immediately in all formats. Um, yeah. But the thing is, that's that's why you hold just to see. 
because sometimes those guys pop for a little bit of value. I mean, look at Davis Mills. And if I'm Kyler Murray, I'm doing the exact thing that he's saying right now. I know that in the back of everybody's mind is what happens if the team stinks and they end up with the top pick and they get Caleb Williams. I'm putting it out there right now. If I'm Kyler Murray, I'm ready to play. They're not putting me on IR or they're not, they're not fading me with injuries that I don't have. Right. I'm available. I'm playing and we're winning and no one's getting Caleb, Caleb Williams. Like that's what I'm doing. If I'm Kyler. So I think he's doing it the right way. Yeah. But anyway, let's jump into some wide receivers. Yeah, for sure. Uh, over at, you know, the wide receiver position here, uh, obviously some big names, a lot of fantasy hype surrounding some of these guys here. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, obviously, uh, just edging Jordan Addison in recent ADP updates there, uh, over on FFPC, uh, Quentin Johnson, Zay Flowers, Rasheed Rice, Jonathan Mingo, Marvin Mims, Jaden Reed, Jalen Hyde, and Josh Downs. They're kind of cropping it over. Um, talk to me about where you're going when it comes to this rookie class. Yeah. I mean, the thing is with the draft capital, you kind of have to split hairs. Nobody went like four overall or 10 overall. They went, you know, 20, 21, 22, 23. Uh, so for me, Jackson Smith and Jigba, there's a ton of hype on him. He might just end up falling in the class of just too good to take off the field, at which case you turn to Tyler Lockett. And, you know, at that point, Tyler Lockett might even say, hey, you know what, we got to do what's best for the team. But I just worry a little bit that we're going to see, at least at the start, what we saw with the Buccaneers, where it was, Mike Evans was the guy at split end and Deshaun Jackson was the flanker and Chris Godwin for the first couple of years wasn't playing a full snap share, even though he looked great when he was out there, he didn't quite earn that full snap share. He was the next man in first man out, especially in red zone. Yeah. Uh, I worry that maybe JSN starts off like that. Uh, but I mean, at his ADP, he's worth a stab. I think most of these guys are the one that I'm steering away from a bit is Quentin Johnston just yeah. because I think the draft pick of him was a little bit reactionary. They saw last year that Keenan Allen and Mike Williams really only played two games together. Virtually every other game, one of them either was out or got hurt during the game. There was two games there where they both played the whole time. And I think the team sat back and said, you know what, let's just go out and grab this guy. But there's a world where those guys don't get hurt, right? So he ends up being the third fiddle to a certain degree, not to mention Austin Eckler guy himself that commands 90 to 100 targets already, right? And uh, you know, Gerald Everett, probably the odd man out too, but he's not, he's no slouch either. So yeah, beating him a little bit uh, of the, of the other two top dogs, first round guys, John, you like Zay Flowers better. Or you like Jordan Addison better. Um, I mean, I like Jordan Addison better because, uh, you know, I, I feel like the snap share is more guaranteed. Now listen, I think Zay Flowers can be a di very dynamic player in that Baltimore offense, but you know, is he going to immediately go out there and be their number one guy? Like they do have OBJ who's out there making plays in camp. They have Bateman. Like they have Mark Andrews, obviously as a pass catcher, you know, if flowers can earn those wide receiver one snap shares and sure, I think there's a good chance for him there. But at least I know Jordan Addison is, is going to be on the field, right? It's going to be Jefferson, Addison, Hawkinson. Those are going to be the three guys on the field for the Vikings. So uh, to your point with, with Jackson Smith and Jigbo, like, Lockett and DK Metcalf are going to be the guys on the field a lot of the time. Now, obviously, he's going to be on the field too. He'll have a good snap share, but you know, you just have to wonder if he's going to be the wide receiver three. Like you said, is right. he out there for sixty to seventy instead of ninety plus? And that's where you got to kind of figure out where they're going to go. So big um, difference maker. It's a big, big difference, difference maker. maker, right? So listen, I, I think Flowers could be a, could be an immediate impact in that offense if they give him the opportunity to do so right away. But uh, you know, for me, I know Addison's at least going to be on the field. Yeah, I'll give you a, a, a one little boost for Zay Flowers. I have Addison ahead as well. But one little boost for Zay Flowers, I, I just saw a report the other day that they took Patrick Ricard, and the fullback, and they're pretty much having him exclusively work out with the offensive line. 
because he he actually played a decent amount uh, in that like inline Nick Boyle type role. So uh, it seems that this new air raid offense not using uh, they're not going to be using the fullback anymore, which means sure. a lot more three wide receiver sets. Which oh, they want to they want to spread the offense and throw downfield, right? That's been the idea behind what they're doing here. So uh, one of the reasons to like Flowers, but again, I, I definitely am a fan of him. Uh, Kansas City wide receivers are obviously getting a big boost here. Um, Rasheed Rice, are you buying into him here, or does he kind of fall into the you know everybody liked Sky Moore last year too, and he basically redshirted. You know, where do you find Rice, and and are you looking at the second half of this rookie wide receiver tier? Yeah, I mean, dude, with this group, everybody seems to be so far out on these second round rookies, and they weren't really drafted that far off from the first round guys. Like, I'm higher than most on Mingo, Reed, and Rashi Rice. Not really so much Marvin Mims, just because I think that they have uh, incumbent pass catchers there. But like Rashi Rice, everyone wants him to be Tyree Kill, but he doesn't really have the speed. But everything else is is good, and where he's great is contested catches. I mean, this guy led all drafted rookies last year in contested catches. He's a guy kind of like to me, like a he could be a Keenan Allen or a DeAndre Hopkins type guy as a ceiling, but paired with Patrick Mahomes, why can't this team just hit one time on a wide receiver, right? right. Like It's almost like the Patriots where we say, oh, whoever they draft, we're just going to fade them no matter what. But what if they just hit on a guy? You know, it, it could be that case. And same with a guy like Jonathan Mingo. He's got all the opportunity in the world on a team that nobody's played with this quarterback before. And honestly, Besides Terrace Marshall, none of them have even been on the team. So right. I'm willing to take stabs there. Jaden Reed, kind of the same thing. The floor is lower, but at the ADP, these guys are all, like you know, we're talking Mingo is 163, Reed 200, Rice 150. These yeah. guys are being drafted onto your bench, right? You, they either yeah. hit or they don't. You can easily drop them. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're, you're the king of the lottery ticket versus scratch ticket, right? right? I mean, you can draft them early, find out week one, hey, how much do they play on the field? What's their impact in this offense? If they're not out there, if they're playing special teams and not out there in you know wide sets, you drop them, you go to the waiver wire, you make an ad uh, and find someone that can't immediately impact your roster. Or you find out, hey, this guy is getting on the field in those three wide receiver sets. He is seeing a 50 to 60% target share right away. He is getting four to five targets. And now maybe you hold them on and see, okay, can he overtake some of the incumbent veterans that are ahead of him uh, on that roster? Now all of a sudden he's making an impact on your fantasy squad. Bingo, dude. Uh, so after that third round, uh, we got Tank Dell, if you pull the graphic back up. Tank Dell, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, Josh Downs, Michael Wilson, and Trey Tucker, who I personally, he went in the comp pick range. I think he's probably more of a special teams guy, especially because of what the Raiders have over there. But of those other guys, uh, I know there's one that you've been uh, really – pounding the table for so why don't you tell us about Jalen Hyatt I'm not, I'm not gonna ask who you like best because I know it's Jalen Hyatt I was gonna say you, you kind of spoiled the lead there for me. I, <laughs> Sorry, I do like Jalen Hyatt again it's it, obviously ADP comes into a big play of it when it comes to best ball right now you're looking for guys that can have maybe those pop weeks here but I also look at opportunity right and when it comes to Jalen Hyatt here I look at the depth chart for the New York Giants and say you know, is there really a big skill gap between what they have in front of him versus what he can bring to the table in this offense? You know, with uh, Sterling Shepard, Paris Campbell, Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodges, like all those guys we know have been productive at times, but they've also been very inconsistent or the injury bug has gotten, you know, Paris Campbell and obviously Sterling Shepard notably here. So why not take a shot with Jalen Hyatt in the last pick for your draft or late rounds of your draft? Because like you said, he's one, he's been making some plays in camp. Now I understand running in shorts, running against right. your own defense isn't always the end all be all here, but uh, they used our third round draft capital on him. He's shown the, obviously the ability to make some plays at college. I'm willing to take a flyer on him in the late rounds and see if he can be that lottery ticket and not just a scratch ticket for me. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, after that, 
There's a couple of names I'll just throw out quick before we get to our special guest here. Uh, Michael Wilson is a guy, when you really look around the Cardinals uh, set up there, now that they've cut DeAndre Hopkins, he is just a built totally different than the other guys. He's got, if you look at, um, you know, Rondell Moore, Marquise Brown, Greg Dortch, he's got 30 pounds on the biggest one of them, and he's got four inches height-wise on the biggest one of them. So he could e- easily be the split end right away for that team. And I also throw out the name Puka Nakua. Uh, he was a fifth-round pick, but the Rams, man, they they had a zero for an offseason, right? They did right. nothing. They didn't add anybody. They didn't have any picks. So uh, he could just buy default end up carving out a role here but anyway enough about wide receivers let's move on to my favorite position and to hammer that out we are going to bring on a special guest here we are bringing in jake but bring him on in this is a guy who won the Mackey award for the best tight end in college football he's a wolverine he got drafted by the broncos now at the big 10 network as an analyst jake how you doing, brother? Thanks What's for up, fellas? What's on, Jake? Thanks for joining us today, man. Yeah, yeah. Great to join you guys. I'm excited. <clears throat> you know, when I was playing, I didn't I didn't ever do fantasy football. So then once I retired from playing, I played the last two years, and I've won my league the last two years. So maybe that's beginner's luck. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but uh, I'm loving it, man. It's so much fun. Hey, you're plugged in, dude. That's the secret, right? And that's why we're bringing you in, because, I like, you know, we can talk all day about average depth of target and all these nerdy stats. But why not just talk to somebody who's actually been in the locker room? Yeah. Right. So uh, the first question I wanted to ask you is, uh, you know, the tight end position notoriously in fantasy has been a difficult one for guys to break out right away. Right. There's been a lot of guys that, you know, down the road, a guy like Delaney Walker, he was like 30 years old when he was first thousand yard season. Yeah. You know, uh, so wh- why is it so hard compared to, say, wide receiver or, or running back for tight ends to to make an impact uh, with the ball in their hands early on? Yeah, so if you just think about it, of what of the the demand of the tight end position and how diff, how much that changes from college to the NFL level, you know, in college we're seeing more hurry up, less huddles. Tight ends are almost becoming a glorified receiver, whereas the NFL it still fits more of that traditional model. You're huddling much more often too. So as a tight end, you basically are an extension of the offensive line. So you have to know the blocking schemes. You have to know those calls. You also have to know route concepts, not just on the line, off the ball, in the slot, as solo receivers. And then occasionally you line up in the backfield and help with pass protection. That's not even counting the fact that you're going to be on all four special teams. So the sheer quantity of information you have to learn in just a tight little period, I think guys just, they can't catch their breath. And they come into camp and they're thinking so much and it takes a little bit time a little bit of time to really absorb everything that is being asked to them before they can even go out there and excel right then the other piece is knowing what you're doing and actually winning in the NFL which is a challenge in and of itself so it, it takes time for guys to get into a rhythm and fully grasp that and then like you mentioned i think they say like year 3 is usually a great year for tight ends you get your feet wet year 1 you're a little bit stabilized year two, and then by year three, you're ready to roll. So I think it's the mental side of the game that is what makes it so challenging for guys to to hit the ground running. I benefited, you know, in my career, I played for Jim Harbaugh type system. So when I went to the NFL and I was learning a playbook, it was it was easy for me. But I played with guys that didn't have that experience, and I saw how that affected them in terms of their preparation as well. Yeah, some of those offenses, they just they call plays by like holding up a picture of like a duck. And like that's yeah. you know, and when you get to the next level, it gets a little spike. Can I ask real quick, 
Jim Harbaugh, I, the quotes from that guy, like he, does he have some sort of book where he just has a million amazing quotes or is, he, is that just the way he is? Actually, no, he did have a quote board. He was building a quote board <laughs> when we first got there of, you know, all, all his major quotes, like more is more. There's no such thing as less is more. He, there was one where the hurt guy, the injured guy, the lazy guy, and the late guy, they're all the same. They're all unaccountable, you know. So he was building out all these boards of, of great coaching uh, points. So, frankly, I mean, there wasn't one I disagreed with on there either. I mean, the one thing about Jim is he's a little bit quirky, but fact of the matter is you know he wants to win, and if you want to win, just hop on board. He'll take you there. I think my favorite one was he said uh, you can't when asked about like developing players, he said you can't expect to plant potatoes today and eat potato salad tomorrow. Beautiful. There you go. That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, Jake, they obviously have a lot of uh, tight ends coming in this year that the fantasy community is pretty high on some of them being hyped up for what roles they could have in the offense when it comes to rookie tight ends uh, this year, which ones do you think may be making an immediate impact when it comes to the passing game this year? Yeah, I think Dalton Kincaid. So I, I see that right there at the bottom. You know, what about Dalton Kincaid? I've seen clips coming out of him uh, out of Buffalo. The dude's so fluid. We knew that as, as well, just from his tape. He is a Travis Kelsey type in the sense that a very natural pass pass uh, route runner really knows how to set up his routes. His change of direction is great. He's, he's got the top high-level speed, but it looks effortless. It doesn't look like he's straining to run routes, which allows him to create that separation. Excellent hands too. Really, really reliable hands. So um, I think he benefits from being in a great offense. So I, I imagine Josh Allen is targeting him often. So it's again, the question is, is how, how much do you want to reach for these guys? You know, like what's, what's the value over replacement when it comes to fantasy? Another one that I really like, and, and maybe he might be the best rookie out of all this with everything considered Sam Laporta, the guy yes. in Detroit, I've yes. been high on him. I actually had him as my highest rated tight end. And to go back to how we started the show, he played at Iowa. That's an NFL system, right? Factory. Go watch his yeah. film last year. He lined up over all over the field as a receiver, slot, Y tight end, F tight end, in the backfield. So whatever Detroit wants to use him as, he's going to be capable of doing it. So and and again, that's that they need a tight end, right? They got rid of Hawkinson last year. Insert your next Iowa tight end there. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him catching 50 balls this year. Let's go. I mean, Kincaid, Lamporta, those are my boys. Where where do I Venmo you or send the Bitcoin to? You know, I just slide you money for uh for for propping up my fellas. Moving those ADPs my is what Jake is doing right now with his <laughs> Yeah, right I'll now. send you my I'll send you my Bitcoin wallet after the show. We'll <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. As we agreed, you would you would uh, promote my guys, right? Yeah. So, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. Uh so you know, those guys obviously, as you mentioned, right? If they're going to uh, you know, if it's going to be a split role and and there's going to be they have to learn the blocking scheme, the pass catching scheme. Obviously, if we're going to sacrifice one part of the role, we'd be fine letting Dawson Knox do the blocking and yeah. and do things like that. As far as guys that you like the profile, but they might be on that three year trajectory, they might need to wait for some guys to leave uh, either tight ends or also wide receivers that kind of soak up a lot of targets. Who are some guys that you like more on like the long term typical tight end trajectory? Honestly, I, I, one that. And, and this is hard to pick, right? I, both yeah. those guys I like long-term as well. Like, it's not a guarantee they're going to perform this year. Both those guys I just mentioned. But one that I think is real sneaky, real quiet, is Luke Musgrave out there in Green Bay. 
it's hard for me to know like how good is Jordan Love? Will, will they be able to convert third downs and keep their offense on the field? If it's Aaron Rodgers, I'm like, man, Musgrave might be might might be a great pick there. Um, and, and remember, he was injured too. So how healthy is he? Is you know, it takes a little bit of time to get back into rhythm. So I like Luke Musgrave. And then honestly, man, you know, Luke, uh, Luke Schoonmaker down in Dallas. It's a long history of them involving their tight ends, and he he has a chance to perform. Probably not fifty catches this year, but that's 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 capable in the Cowboys' offense, right? We have seen that be a potential, and I think Schoonmaker is a guy who's extremely underrated. He was a second round pick, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. long term, I'd have my eyes on him, see how they use him this year, and 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 start to say, hey, maybe I want to involve Schoonmaker with my team. You're not just saying that because he's a Michigan guy. Well, I mean, of course, I know Michigan pretty well, but I, I'm saying that just out of out of a fact, man. He's a damn good tight end. Awesome. awesome. Uh, we got a lot of obviously players here that do dynasty fantasy football, Debbie leagues here. Talk to me about some tight ends that maybe we should have on our radar coming out of college. There's just there's one name. There's one name, and I'm sure you guys have talked about it a bunch. Not even just a tight end, but like maybe the one the best at doing his job out of anybody in the draft next year. It's the Georgia tight end Brock Bowers. Whoever's going to draft him, I mean, he has a chance to be a top five pick. And if a team's going to invest a top five pick, he's going to catch fifty passes and maybe take some jet sweeps. He did it at Georgia. We've seen the 49ers do it with Kittle. Whoever picks him next year, like that's an easy, easy pick. I don't feel like you'd be reaching for him at all. He, I, I bet he might just walk into being a top five fantasy tight end his rookie year. Yeah, what what makes him so good? Like what obviously, you know, we talked about the jet sweeps and the athleticism, but is it separation? Is it hands? Like what what separates him from everybody else? Every you know, if we talk about a number of tight ends, we could say hey, he's really good at this, but maybe he can improve here. Right? He's a specialist in this. Brock Bowers, what makes him so good? Since he walked in the league as a freshman, he was a freshman. And had he had he been eligible, had he been allowed to leave after his freshman year, he would have been a first round pick as like an 18-year-old. He doesn't have a weakness in his game. He's, it's not like he's great at this and just fine at this. He's a great blocker. He can line up all over the field. Soft hands. Great after the catch as well, right? That's why they're giving him jet sweeps. He's a complete package. Like he's literally he plays the game like an eight-year NFL vet, even though he's a junior in college. So um, and again, Georgia, Georgia lines him up. It's a similar pro style system. So he's going to be able to have a fluent transition to the next level. I mean, the dude is probably I, I'd have to dive into it and look at the history, but I, I don't feel like it's a hot take to say he's the best tight end prospect to ever enter the NFL draft next year. Wow, that's yeah. crazy, especially, you know, because Kyle Pitts was a you know, top Pitts. 10 pick two years ago, right? So, Listen, I, okay, so Kit, Pitts, is, Pitts, is a, Pitts is a great tight end, right? I think they're completely different, though. Pitts, Pitts ran a, what, low 4-4? Kind of like an Evan Ingram? Mm-hmm. It, Put him, let Pitts – don't put Pitts at the Y and expect him to block a six technique throughout the game. We Honestly, you, the, the Chiefs don't do that with Kelsey. Watch how they ask Kelsey to block. A lot of it is smoke and mirrors. So instead of just saying block this guy, you accomplish the same thing of influencing the defender through deception. That takes a high-level offensive mind. Pitts, what he's good at is going to be different than a, a number of other guys. Let him do what he's good at. Now you got to find him a quarterback to put the ball on him. I think Bowers is more of a traditional tight end, though he still has that athleticism. Where Pitts is more your modern day, like super burner, closer to a receiver than a traditional yeah. Y tight end. So again, they're they're different. There's different ways to to uh, 
to succeed and, and finish games, but um, they're both great. I think Brock Bowers is just a little bit more complete. I was, I've been saying that for years with Evan Ingram, where people would come to me and they're you know talking about who to comp the guy to. He ran a 4-4-2. So I'm like, we should be comparing him to like Demarius Thomas and like Andre Johnson. And that's how they should use him. When yeah. you know, I was banging my head against the wall, when um, you know uh, the coach from the Cowboys came in, Garrett, uh, Jason Garrett came in and was trying to use him like Jason Witten. I was like, yeah. what are we doing here? What are we yeah. doing? No, I just I, I coaches like okay, he's a labeled as a tight end. Okay, what that what does that mean? What do you mean he's labeled as a tight end? Like, dude, no, he ran a four four two. He's faster than most of your receivers. He can run routes like a receiver. Why not just put him at receiver? Like, he's not gonna sit there and block a six tech. Though he's not gonna block Miles Garrett. That's bad coaching. But if you put him in the slot against a linebacker and a safety. That's a great matchup. That's great coaching. So again, I think sometimes like coaches, they can put things into a box. They have a lot going on in their head, so it's understandable why they have to compartmentalize things. I, I just think Evan Ingram's such a weapon. The more you can use him and what he's good at, the the more it benefits everybody. Yeah, Adam Gase did that with Mike Gesicki too. He he had him blocking on like twenty percent of the pass plays. It was yeah. just you know some of these why guys. Why did you draft just, him to do that? Why did you draft him to do that? Right. <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of speaking of players to draft, I want to ask, you know, you pretty much just laid out the best 15 minutes on tight ends that we've ever heard on here, to be honest. So thank you for coming and doing that. I want to ask you now you're a Big Ten analyst, man, that, which is that is so cool, dude, to go back yeah, thank you, We're, in a, a spot you're already plugged in with. So yeah. let me ask you, uh, what else as far as other positions, wide receivers, quarterbacks, running backs? What's coming out of that conference or just in general across the league? What are you excited for that players that you think can really translate uh, to fantasy football? Because that's that's what our audience really cares about. They want to know uh, they do play the Devi leagues and some uh, we even had a draft on this network for actual college fantasy football. But for the most part, we want to know who's coming up next and how can they make an impact for our dynasty team? The best wide receiver prospect we've had in a very long time is Marvin Harrison Jr. out of Ohio State. And similar to how we talk about tight ends coming out of Iowa, one thing we know about Ohio State is they're going to have their receivers NFL ready. Again, Marvin Harrison Jr. would have been a top 15 pick this year, but he was only a sophomore. So he's got to come back and he'll prove it again this year, maybe be a top 10 pick even higher. They got another guy in Emeka Ibuka out of Columbus, too, who – I think that's the best and the second best receiver in all of college football. So um, those are two great receivers that I'd be targeting just, just out of history. I know whoever drafts those guys, similar to what we see with Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, we could go all the way down the list. It's a long line of great receivers to come out of Ohio State that that understand the nuance of route running and how to create separation. So that that's those are two great picks that I would feel very good at. The hard thing is with rookies is, are they going to be better than a proven vet? And those two, I would say right away, could solidify themselves. Marvin Harrison maybe even a ceiling as a top five receiver his rookie year, like Justin Jefferson. Ibuka, maybe he's top 15, maybe higher, maybe he's top 20, whatever it is. Then you still have some running backs. I think running backs is a good position as well. Um, Donovan Edwards out of Michigan provide some great value. I know Blake Corum is going to be the number one guy, but what Edwards can do catching the ball out of the backfield, he, he'd be a great slot receiver anyways. And in the right system, I mean, look at Eckler. I, I drafted right. Eckler both my two years. I, I get so many points from him getting checkdowns. That's a huge part in the NFL, man, that you have three seconds to get rid of the ball. If, if the routes aren't developed, check it down to a running back. So um, I like Edwards and then Braylon Allen, another guy out of Wisconsin. I, I expect him to leave after this year as well. So, 
Um, but I feel less confident in saying I'd, I'd stretch for those guys as I would for Harrison and Ibuka. Yeah, I I want to point out somebody in the chat here saying, uh, let's see, get Jake in the Scott Fishbowl. Uh, so that's actually a big uh, tournament with like 3,000 analyst fans. And there's even some, you know, former professional athletes like Des Bryant's in it, a few different guys. Okay. Next year, we got to get you in, man. What do you think? Dude? Sure, I'd love to. Oh, that sounds awesome. Okay. I'll send you, yeah, I'll send you the sign up link and we'll talk, we'll talk to Scott. Uh, okay, great. We'll see if we can get it done. Cause I mean, hey, if you're getting in fantasy football, you got this is the tournament to be in. This okay, is the one. Great. Yeah, you win I mean, this I one. With man. my buddies, so I mean, it's like a 12 man league. So I can't really. I've never lost, but I, <laughs> yeah. I, I will never be able to know how good I am until I get to a 3,000 person league. So I'd like here's to how, do that. Here's how this one goes down: you draft with 12 people and play a league until week 13, and then the top dogs from each league get put into the next level. Okay. And then the top people go next level, next level until one person is crowned the champ. And I mean, if you win that tournament, you are gold plated. Cause I mean, you're playing against Matthew Berry. You're playing against John and Pemba here. You're playing against pretty much anybody who's anybody in this industry. Yeah. So Plus it right. also helps fancy cares, right? Great organization. It's, great yeah, charity. it's a charity tournament. It's yeah, oh it's perfect. Things, Even man. better. I'd love, to, yeah, yeah. Reach out to me, please. So, yeah. um, and reach out to me throughout the season, man. It was good hanging out with you guys. Would, would love to hang out again. So. Yeah, listen, Absolutely. we've had a lot of people in chat clamoring for the uh, you know the Jake Bud Fantasy Podcast. So, uh, you know, I got to ask you, you know, what do you got going on? Where can people find you? Obviously, on the Big Ten Network, maybe maybe a fantasy podcast coming soon, you know? Maybe so. I, I probably should. I got a lot going on, man. I, I call games on the weekends. I do studio and radio for Big Ten Network, Sirius XM, a network called Stadium. So it's a pretty busy season. But, uh, you know, I post a lot on social media. I think you guys can see my, my tag there. You can find – just search my name, Jake Butt. Um, it, it, it should be Jay Booty on all platforms. And I'm posting a lot of, uh, you know, free game on social media. And I interact, man. You, you guys DM me. You ask me questions. I do interact. I respond. I make videos on what you guys want to hear from. So that's a big piece of it. I, I'm, I'm on social media and active. Man of the people. All right, dude. Well, we're going to take everything you just said. We're taking it and we're running with it. We're going to get you in the Scott Fish Bowl. We're going to try and get you back on later on, man. And we're going to be following you on Twitter and uh and following you on weekends man talking about Ooh, man. ball in the big 10 dude that's awesome buddy yeah so. yeah man i'm one of the lucky ones i don't i don't have a job I, i've been able to monetize what i love to do so um thanks for having me on guys yeah thanks a lot jake again go give him a follow j booty 88 on twitter go find him on the big 10 network there as well jake good talking to you we'll see you then all right guys boss. what a dude man yeah what a dude great 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 uh having him on talking some uh tight ends gotta love the sam laporta uh hype there you know my favorite part that, uh, we, you've been uh touting pretty heavily there you know everybody's in on the dolphin kincaid but uh sam laporta like we talked about uh could have just that immediate impact that we've heard because you look again all but opportunities look at that lions offense right what do they have they have Amon ross st brown and then they have what because jameson williams suspended right so you know they brought in marvin jones they have some other guys there um that obviously like josh reynolds or something like that that could come in but Who's to say that Sam Laporta can't immediately come right in? Right away. Number two target in that offense, the Williams comes back. Right away, man. I'll tell you what, with uh, the with the options of Amon Ross St. Brown, Jameer Gibbs, and Sam Laporta, that offense is going to be death by a thousand cuts. Like if you don't have the right personnel in there covering these guys, mixing and matching in the slot out wide, it's going to be a nightmare for teams that don't have fast linebackers and fast safeties. If I'm in that division, you got to be making some sort of adjustments because yeah. that's what Jared Goff does best. And they just leaned into it. They said, let's just get all these weapons. 
And if Jamison Williams could take the top off, come back, you know, week seven and start taking the top off, that's going to be pretty scary, man. That This team, uh, they built it the right way. Yeah, taking a look at some of the ADPs at the tight end position here for fantasy football. Dalton Kincaid is that first tight end off the board for the rookies there. Tight end 13, Sam Laporta coming off a of tight end 18. Uh, Michael Mayer there, tight end 27. Musgraves, who he mentioned. Shoemaker, who he mentioned there. Uh, Cube, obviously you're the tight end whisperer here. You do all the tight end work. Um, you have Laporta over Kincaid, or are you still looking to go Kincaid over Laporta? I have Kincaid ahead simply because of what I mentioned there, where if you talk about the competition for the particular types of targets, there's just more of it for Laporta, I think. And the thing with Laporta is that he might actually fall into, in redraft, unfortunately, into the same category as as like a Clayton Toon, where if, say, week one, we'll give him past week one. But say week one comes around, he's not even he's not playing a 60, 70 percent snap share or especially week three or four. If he gets to week three or four, he's not playing a full snap share. Do we actually expect it to be better when Jamison Williams comes back? Right. He's the guy that he needs to prove it right away because it's only going to get worse. Right. Whereas Dalton Kincaid, he's going right. And Brandon Bean came out on Pat McAfee's show and straight up said this guy's playing slot. So I don't, I'm tired of hearing people say he's a backup to Dawson Knox. That is factually untrue from the guy that drafted him. Right. He straight up said these guys are playing together. This guy plays wide receiver, right? And and a 30, 31, 32-year-old uh, Cole Beasley had back-to-back-to-back 100-target seasons in that slot rule for Josh Allen. So it's absolutely within the range of outcomes for that guy to get 100 targets right now. And you can start him at tight end, which is amazing. And Jake Butt, if you don't like it, Jake Butt just came on and agreed with me. So everybody out there can shut up. Yeah, exactly. And I love his uh, shout for Austin Eckler. Obviously, a uh, few bigger fans than Austin Eckler than I took him first overall uh, in leagues last year. Guy's been a league winner uh, for two straight years, which is a great transition to talk about some rookie running backs. Yeah, let's get our beast uh, going. This is the fun uh, one, right? You know, burying the lead, obviously the most important fantasy position or had been the most important fantasy position. You see, obviously, ADPs in, uh, uh now moving more towards the wide receiver with these running backs getting pushed down the board by Bijan Robinson, your RB3 first rookie running back off the board coming at the end of the first round. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, you did the anti-Jameer Gibbs take. Britt Flynn did the pro-Jameer Gibbs take in our player debate series that was released yesterday. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, uh, your top three running backs for rookies coming off the board right now. Yeah, and I'll tell you this. The running back, the reason it's so exciting as rookies is that, uh, you know, Jake came on and talked about tight ends and how important the situation is. Uh, for wide receivers and running backs, that doesn't matter as much. And you can get such crazy discounts on running back because sometimes guys get hurt and they just come out of nowhere because we didn't expect the starter to get hurt. And the other is that sometimes they just flat out are so good that they come out of nowhere and force their way into the field. I mean, Alvin Kamara, the reason everyone loved him so much and why he was such a, uh, you know, such a hot commodity is that he was behind Mark Ingram and Adrian Peterson. So his ADP was buried and he came out and was an RB one. Mark Ingram was also still an RB one. So not crazy for two guys to do it, but that, that, that at running back, like Elijah Mitchell, James Robinson, it just happens in a way that it doesn't happen in other positions. Right, John, like Anthony Richardson, it's baked in, like we're taking him at, at a level and we don't really expect like, that's not going to happen. Sorry to break everyone's, Arts here, but probably not going to happen for rookie Will Levis, even if somebody gets hurt, to just come out and just be the dude. Yeah, right? it's rare, right? Justin Herbert did it, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's very rare for a guy Deshaun like Watson, in. probably closest, closest maybe. And even him, people were looking at him and saying, why not? Right. right. So, uh, but with running back, you can get that. So 
I'm willing to take Bijan if he's back end first half, first round, but it even towards the middle, but somebody just takes him. People take him like three, four. Are you taking Bijan or, or Saquon Barkley? See, that's the problem is that if you rank Saquon, you're splitting hairs at that level. If you rank Saquon ahead of Bijan, you'll never get Bijan. And I honestly, at times, have taken Saquon ahead. So uh, it makes it very difficult for me to get him. And I, even Nick Chubb, I look at it and I'm like, do I want to even play this game or do I just want to take Nick Chubb, who I know yeah. is awesome? For right? me, it's almost like an opportunity cost. Because if you're drafting at the end of the first round and you have sort of that ranking, you know the elite wide receivers are there at that end of the first early turn as well. So it's like if you want to get wide, a wide receiver – you're settling on, okay, I take the running back first and hope one of the wide receivers fall, or you kind of get your pick of the wide receivers and then hope that Jonathan Taylor or Saquon Barkley are still there at the, at the at the turnaround, and now you get your number one wide receiver and your running back there, kind of how I've approached it if I've gone the wide receiver early there. Yeah. Now, the beauty of Bijan and why I'm willing to take him uh, it just at the right spot is that we know that in that room, he's the best at everything. Right. He's the best rusher. He's the best pass catcher. Tyler Algier, great. You know, he's a right. very solid player. But, you know, I think if you ask Tyler Algier himself, like Carry on Johnson said it about DeAndre Swift, even he was like, I can't learn anything from DeAndre Swift because <laughs> I can't do the things. My hips don't do the things that his hips do. Right. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that's how it goes. And with Bijan, I think that is the case. Now, Jameer Gibbs, I don't mind him again if I get him at the right price, but he's just been steamed up so far that I'm on underdog right now at this moment. He's going as the as an RB one. He's going like RB twelve. Yeah, he's RB eleven right now in FFPC. So eleven, man, eleven. And like we know when we look at it, right? And this is the example I'd always always give. If there's a pass interference in the end zone, Jamison Williams screaming down the field gets taken down. They get to send whoever they want down there to punch that in. David Montgomery has twenty five pounds on Jameer Gibbs, so Jameer Gibbs needs to be incredibly special for them to come in and put him in that spot. And people will say, oh, well, you know, they spent the high draft capital on this guy, but they forget that they gave David Montgomery the second highest free agent running back contract. Miles Sanders got 6.25 million. David Montgomery got six. So it's like to make that argument, you have to say, okay, well, you know, they don't want to waste the draft capital, but they're willing to waste the money. I'd argue that as a GM, you're probably a little more worried about wasting the money, right? Yeah, so, I mean, for me, they, they signed, obviously, Montgomery ahead of. Now, I'm sure they had a plan in the draft to go after Gibbs. You know, they they all they have, they tweet, tweeted out all their workout videos for him, yeah. had him in. They loved every meeting. They loved everything about it. And, obviously, they prioritized him in the draft. So, I have to imagine they got Montgomery with the idea looking forward that, you know, they probably wanted to go ahead and make a move at the running back position in the draft. Um Well, I'll, I tell, agree, you what, I I'll tell you what. You, let me just point one thing out. that I, I tell you that. If they didn't sign David Montgomery, then maybe they would have just taken their guy at six. They did did illustrate that they were willing to risk it. They were willing to risk not getting Bijan or Gibbs by moving back in the draft. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, they they traded from a high end pick to a mid round pick. I mean, twelve I would even say is a high end pick. Yeah. So you know, the expectation is for him to be good, but it's just there are too many guys in that range. Like you talking about pass catching. For me, Joe Mixon, he was on pace for 91 targets last year, and he's going after Gibbs, and Samaj P. Ryan's gone. Yeah. Right. So I, I just I have a hard time taking it because of the people around him, but there's no question his upside is amazing. He could be Alvin Kamara. Yeah, I mean, listen, I've I've you know ventured more into like Ramondre Stevenson over Jameer Gibbs if I've yeah. been sort of drafting, and I mean Nick Chubb uh, over you know over um, Jameer Gibbs if I've been kind of been in that range for ADPs. 
uh, at times around the board. But I do think he's an exciting player because we do talk a lot about how receptions are worth more in fantasy football and PPR and half PPR leagues. Um, and I don't believe he's going to be a, a zero when it comes to the running game. Like I do think he's going to be out there getting some of those carries between the 20s where he is an explosive player. He can't come up with big plays. And then I look at and think about offensive sets where we've seen teams utilize both a heavy back like a Mark Ingram and an Alvin Kamara, both on the field at the same time. And they run different offensive sets where they can utilize Gibbs speed to the outside more and get to the edge and score where they have the battling lamb. Uh, like they'll use a Montgomery there in the middle. We've also talked a lot about how last year, you know, Jamal Williams had was it the, the second most touches inside the five of right. any player. And it was almost double the next running back. So yeah. what, are the, what are the odds that we see the Lions with that many opportunities inside the five yard line? If they're at the 10 yard line, are they more likely to use a dynamic player like Gibbs on the field and with a guy like Montgomery who has shown the ability to catch football, obviously in his time with Detroit, but or, or Chicago, but obviously Gibbs has that, uh, more of that prioritized skill set there. So um, he could be being drafted correctly. It's yeah, just that the hype and the argument is like, well, he could, he's the number one guy. And it's like, well, maybe he's not, right? Yeah. But he so, can still be there. I will. I, will, I think the, the reasonable way to look at it is to say that it's probably a split, but you can also say that if I were going to look around this league, be, and we have seen it multiple times, we've seen Mark Ingram finish RB7 and Alvin Kamara finish RB3. I've seen Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman be relevant at the same time. I've seen Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt both finish as essentially back-end RB1s. If I was going to pick one team in the league to, to be able to do that, I would look around and say, who has a good line with like right. Frank Ragnow and Penny Sewell? I'd say, who has a QB that has zero mobility and zero interest right. in, in QB sneaks even and loves dumping it down in Jared Goff? which is basically what we had with Drew Brees, right? He just, he had no interest in holding onto that ball any longer than he wanted to. And that's why right. Kamara routinely, I mean, back to back to back years of 83 catches, right? So I look at that and that's the team I would pick. So that's the argument in favor is that if there any team's going to do that, that's the team. Yep. I, I would agree with you. What's your thoughts on the Seattle situation? Obviously everybody was all bullish in on Kenneth Walker going into the year. Yeah. Yeah. Kenneth Walker, RB one. And then hammer gets dropped. They draft the running back. Uh, and Zach Charbonnet now obviously Walker dealing with an injury. Charbonnet's back out there. You know, how do you find that rotation split workload depth chart planning up? I mean, honestly, I, I'm actually more willing to draft Charbonnet at his ADP than Jameer Gibbs. Now, I wouldn't rank Charbonnet ahead of Gibbs. That's a different question, right? That's sure. what makes this game so hard. And that's why, to be honest, I'm not going to name any particular websites, but there are some websites that have this contest where you just rank guys and get points for where they're ranked and you know, picking the tight end nine and having them finish tight end nine is a good thing, even though it doesn't help anybody in their fantasy leagues. Things like that don't appeal to me. I'm more of a, let's figure out how to create a balanced roster with both guys you can start and upside. Let's figure out how to get value at ADP. And Charbonnet is a guy where I look at it and I say, hey, there's a real possibility that Dave Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs are splitting this workload where it skews more towards David Montgomery on rundowns and more towards Gibbs on pass downs, which is what you got with like a mayor. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams or DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. And I basically just say, Hey, there's a world where Kenneth Walker is David Montgomery and Zach Charbonnet is Jameer Gibbs in that role. And the productivity is not that far off, even though the ADP is drastically far off. So more willing to take Charbonnet and just hope that Charbonnet is a stud. Obviously the downside though, is we've seen Pete Carroll pull the rug on us even more drastically before. Remember Chris Carson, was a starter. They draft Rashad Penny in the first, and then Penny is Carson just flat out beat him out. Even when Carson was fumbling, that was his job. 
So we've seen this particular coach say, I do not care about draft capital one bit. That's what scares me versus Brad Holmes going out and drafting Gibbs. So, you know, it's more risk, but the possibility that these guys contribute in fantasy on the same level isn't as crazy as people make it seem. People make you seem crazy for suggesting that these guys could have similar seasons. The Miami Dolphins running back backfield is obviously, I think, still in flux because we just don't know where Dalvin Cook's going to land. And he's a guy that uh, a team that has been linked to Dalvin Cook here. Um, they drafted A-Chain, obviously, this year. They still have Moser and Wilson. What Miami running back are you drafting right now, or is it a full fade until Dalvin Cook ends up somewhere? Uh, it's not a full fade. I like taking a mix here. Obviously, if I can get A-Chain at a good price, then I do it because just because the upside. I mean, like, he's so cheap. Even even considering the steam and everything, he's still cheap. Like you're not drafting him to start for you. That's what matters for me is with Gibbs, you can get hurt pretty bad. He's some people are t- where he's going. He could be your RB one, right? So, and if you, even if you draft him as your second RB, he's in your lineup every week. That's what you're expecting. Whereas a guy like a chain where, where you can take him as your RB three, four, and that's all you're looking for is upside. Just, yeah. I want people to re- recognize that there's a world where the team likes what they have already. They like Raheem Mostert as their guy in space and they like Jeff Wilson and they're drafting a chain as a Jeff, uh, sorry, as a Raheem Mostert insurance, yeah. which he's a speedy space guy. He's very good. He has four plays of 50 plus yards. You know, he had the two fastest on-field speeds a couple years ago in 2020. And last year he had a 67 yard touchdown against the bills, right? Or it, he might've got tackled, but 67 yard play yeah. against the bills. Like there's a possibility that that's what they want is they want insurance for the guys they have which in redraft is scary in dynasty i'm all in because mostert has made a glass and he's 31 right. now yeah every year we see like a backup running or a you know a backup running back or an incoming rookie running back kind of get a little bit more hype and ends up seeing the lead running backs adp fall i feel like we're seeing that now in jacksonville where yeah. uh, travis Etienne has been soured upon by the fantasy community and tank bigsby is the one that people are more clamoring about as their their big sleeper running back this season where do you fall in the Jacksonville backfield, man? Yeah, the running back highlights in so with and it's okay to get excited about highlights. I want everyone to know that because the, there's too much negativity when it comes to that. It's okay if Jack Smith and Jigwa makes a one-handed catch, that's awesome, right? Right. But just keep in mind that with these some of these running back drills and some of the quarterback drills, they're they've been told the defense has been told, please don't injure this guy. Right. Like, please, you know what I mean? Like, please don't dive at this guy's knees, okay. So when I see Deuce Vaughn running through the line and everyone's just kind of trying to poke the ball out a little bit and they're not actually like hitting him, yeah. gotta remember that some of these smaller guys, uh, especially Deuce Vaughn, but Jameer Gibbs isn't that big either. Like there's a real possibility that day one comes around and this isn't college football anymore. And these guys are animals, right? Like right. Aaron Donald hits you, you might need a couple plays. So for me, I you know the Tank Bisbee highlights are cool, but I I love the idea that I can get ETN for cheaper. Because I agree, you know, Trevor Lawrence, I'll tell you what, man, like when you're a franchise quarterback like that, you have some say, and I, there's no question in my mind that he was involved in the process of drafting ETN and he's going to have his back. I agree with you 100%. Talk to me about these final running backs here, your dart throws, your stashes. Uh, where are you going? Kendra Miller, Roshan Johnson, Chase Brown, Zach Evans, Dwayne McBride, all guys at the rookie ADPs uh, that are getting a little bit of love at times. Yeah, the problem with Roshan is that Justin Fields, he is who we thought he was, right? right? Uh, and Luke Getze did what we thought he would do, which is call a million run plays with the quarterback. 
It's what he did when he was at Mississippi State. And that that really saps the upside of so you're basically buying one third of a lottery ticket that to a you know where it's a scratch ticket where you win a hundred bucks, not a million bucks, right? Because I don't think the back is gonna get a ton of receptions, right? The mm-hmm. the Bears were bottom three in in passes to the running back last year, and they have Khalil Herbert, they have Donta Foreman, so kind of out on Roshan. Uh, I do like the idea of in best ball of Dwayne McBride because you know everyone hates him because he didn't really catch many passes. And when I say not many, almost not any, right? Like he got two his senior year, but he had 1700 rushing yards. Why can't that guy be Alfred Morris or Jeremy Hill? I mean, Lufa, Lufa's on board. Lufa's got, says he's got that dog in him. So I'll let you wrap this one up while my dog freaks out. Yeah, that's fine. Listen, I think the one thing with the Minnesota backfield is that they've shown that unless their lead running back gets hurt, their lead running back is their lead running back. So a lot of people who are, high on Chandler or McBride. And then you look at the fact that Alexander Madison will be the guy getting the majority of these carries here, just like Dalvin Cook was until Dalvin Cook would get injured. Madison would get a handful of touches here or there. I don't see that changing in this offense. I've been a little bit more bullish on Madison than I think most. Um, So uh, seeing these other backup running backs on the team get a little hype, I'm a little less buying in uh, to that there. So you're you're muted. We're talking last, last round pick in a – in a underdog or uh, or best ball 10 draft, ideally sure. some of the ones that go like 22 rounds. Uh, I know underdogs 18. Even 18, I mean, that's still a bit of a reach. But yeah, I agree. you're going I agree. with those, those crazy deep boys, right? Yep. I agree with you 100%. So, guys, that's the show today. Again, uh, thank you all for tuning in. Thanks again. Jake Bud out there joining us. Hopefully we can get him on again sometime this season. You know where to find Coop and I all over Fantasy Alarm. Get us on Twitter. We'll talk to you all next week. See you then.